0: notice I waited for him to call me if you were in the 11 o'clock service. I came up early and he scolded me and so made me sit back down on the platform until he finished singing. So I waited. So I'm up here at the right time. Over the past weeks on Sunday night we've been talking about faith but tonight we're going to take a little time to talk about fear and to look at what's some of the verses in the Bible, and there are several. We're going to start with one, but there are really several that talk about how we can, can leave our fears really uh, in the hands of the Lord, and we can trust the Lord. We can escape anxiety. If we, if we try to handle it on our own, if we try to carry it on our own, uh, and you've heard me give the illustration before, some of us when we were growing up used to watch a television show called The Ed Sullivan Show. You can only find it on reruns now. But he had a man on there that I will remember, uh, I guess for as long as I live, who used to take a dowel, which is a wooden dowel. I guess it was a wooden dowel. It was a stick. And he'd stand that stick up, and he'd take a plate, just a regular china plate, put it on top of that stick, and he'd start spinning it and make that plate spin on top of that dowel and it would just be spinning there, and then he would put up another one and get that plate spinning, and he would put up another one and get that plate spinning, and one after another, and he would run back and forth keeping these plates spinning. Well, eventually, you know what happens? He's got so many plates spinning that they begin to fall. Well, well, that's what happens to us in life. We have a lot of things going on. We've got children and grandchildren, we've got jobs, and we've got other jobs, we've got responsibilities, we've got concerns here and there, until ultimately the plates that we have to keep running back and forth spinning, we can't keep them spinning anymore, and it just overwhelms us. And so it's in those moments when I begin to feel overwhelmed, I say, Lord, I can't spin these plates anymore. The only way they're going to keep spinning is if you spin them for me, so what I want to help you do tonight is help you walk through something that has helped me to remember that God is in control of all the things that concern me. He's interested in my life and your life, and he's helping us in our journey. Fear can freeze your, your faith. Uh, it can stop you dead in your tracks. I started to call this, some of you will appreciate it, the arthritis of anxiety. Because arthritis, one of the things arthritis does for some of you older folks who have it, it makes you a little tentative. It makes you tentative when you come to a stairway. It makes you tentative sometimes when you start to open that jar of mayonnaise. It makes you tentative because if there's a joint that hurts, you move slowly and carefully and you're afraid that you'll hurt something. Uh, And so anxiety is the same way. It freezes us. It makes us Tentative, it makes us slow to move forward and slow to be obedient to God. So the first verse that we're going to look at tonight is a verse that we've looked at in the past, and you can look at it over and over. I think it's a wonderful promise from God. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, where the Lord says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not look anxiously about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, surely I will help you, surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise God makes to his people. That's a promise God makes to us collectively, but it's also a promise that God makes to you individually. Tonight, this is your personal promise from God and I hope you will receive it as such. So how do we claim that promise? How do we cling to that promise? Well, one of the things we remember is that being in God's presence is the safest place I can be. It's the richest place I can be. It's the happiest place I can be. If I have him, I really have all I need. All I need. So I'm gonna ask some questions now as we look at this verse and some others. The first question is, is there a reason not to fear. He says, fear not, but is there a reason not to fear? Well, I want, to, I want you to know that this is not just a promise that comes from the book of Isaiah. It's not an isolated promise that's found in one place in the Bible. If you go back to the 26th chapter of the book of Genesis, you find God making this same promise to Isaac, and this is what he said. He said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. This is Genesis 26, verse 24. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do you see a reason not to fear in that verse? Is the reason not to fear simply because God has told you not to be afraid? Or is there something else in that verse that is a reason not to fear? I'll let you figure it out. Let's look at another verse. Six different times in the book of Jeremiah to the prophet Jeremiah and through the prophet Jeremiah as as Jeremiah considered his enemies, God said to Jeremiah, here's chapter 1, verse 8, and we'll just look at one instance. God said, do not be afraid of them. In other words, fear not, Jeremiah, for I am with you to deliver you. Is there a reason not to fear in that verse? Do you see it? Can you figure it out? When God gave the people in Haggai's day the impossible assignment of rebuilding the temple, God said in Haggai 2.4, Take courage, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Here they were, afraid because of the surrounding peoples who were threatening them for trying to do what God had called them to do. Not only was it a near impossible task from a financial and and physical uh, perspective, but also because of their enemies. But God said, Do not fear, for I am with you. As Paul faced imminent danger on one of his missionary journeys in Acts chapter 18, verse 10, God gave him this assurance. Jesus gave him this assurance. He said, fear not, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. So as you think about your life journey, what's ahead for you, and, and really none of us know what's ahead for us, we have some young people here in the church, and they're looking ahead. They're looking ahead with optimism. They're looking ahead with enthusiasm. They're looking ahead with a great deal of faith and a, and a whole lot of dreams. You've been where they've been, and you know what that's like. And you know that they don't know it yet, but they're going to need God every step of the way. But here we are, some of the rest of us, we're looking forward and we're looking forward with, with not a lot of enthusiasm and with not a lot of optimism, but with a great deal of uncertainty and with a great deal of anxiety. So what is it about uh, your journey that gives you a reason to fear, but you also have a reason not to fear? God said to Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, and this is a verse, by the way, for me personally, that has been an encouraging verse. I remember when I moved to Hamilton, Alabama in 1997, uh, on one occasion I retraced the journey that I made to Hamilton. And sometimes, honestly and truly, I wished I had never made that journey. There were days I wish I had never made that journey. And I thought, God, how are you ever going to free me from this place? I would say to my wife sometimes, she can... validate this, I would say, don't let me die in this place. Don't let me die in this place. So uh, anyway, in Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, this was a promise that I often felt that the Lord made to me. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promise you. I always clung to that verse, a verse God made to Jacob as he was beginning his journey out of the land. And God's promising him, Don't be afraid. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to take care of this. That would calm my anxiety, that would calm my fears. And I had some, and from time to time, I still do. So this is God's assurance to all of us who are His children. Jesus makes it to us in Matthew chapter 28. Verse 20, when he sent out his disciples, giving the great commission, he said, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world or to the end of the age. Is there a reason not to fear? Did you hear the reason not to fear? Did you see the reason not to fear in those verses? Not simply because God said, Fear not. But because of the reason that he gave you not to fear, he said, I am with you. It was about 15 years ago that I was introduced to a book that became very meaningful to my own spiritual journey. And uh, so sometimes when somebody recommends you a book or they hand you a book, it's usually a divine appointment in that. When I got the book, Experiencing God... It was used. Somebody handed it to me. They'd been using it. They didn't want it anymore. Somebody put it in my hands. Well, that was a divine appointment for me. And then somebody somebody uh, recommended this little book to me, and I've read it a number of times. I can't tell you how many times, but the little book is worn, worn, worn from how many times I've read it. It's a little book called They Found the Secret by Ray, V. Raymond Edmond. And if you find that book and you can purchase it, it wouldn't be very expensive. It would be worth the time to read it. It would be worth the time to read it from the two stories I'm going to tell you from it in just a minute. He tells about his first opportunity to be aware of God's presence. This is what he says. This is his own testimony. He was a Christian, uh, but he said it came uh, during his soldiering days in World War I. He said, following the armistice of November the 11th, 1918, my outfit, the first division and other American units moved eastward across the remainder of France through Luxembourg, into Belgium and into the Rhineland of Germany. Those were days of long forced marches in the rain, mud and snow. The wagon trains couldn't keep pace with the infantry and so food supplies ran short. By the time we crossed the Rhine River into the rugged hills of Westphalia, he said, I was utterly exhausted and ill. He was running a fever, he said. He was, he was just absolutely exhausted. And so <clears throat> a runner came uh, from one of the other battalions and with a message for his first sergeant. And he said when that runner came, he knew that it was something important that was going to have to be done. So he said, I made myself as inconspicuous as I could in that unit of soldiers. and But he said what happened was the, he told the first sergeant that five men needed to be transferred at once to C Company. He said we were with B company of the 28th Infantry. None of us knew where C Company was located, and no one wanted to find out. And then he, he said the first sergeant barked out, Edmund, you're in charge of this detail. Four men were assigned to me, and we were given the orders to go at once. He said, while the others packed their belongings, he said, I slipped away into an adjacent room. This was a barracks that had been used uh, for to detain some Russian prisoners. And so he went into a little area that, that, that had been used by the Russians, and he said, I knelt by one of the benches to pray. And he said, Lord... I can't go. I just can't go. I don't feel like going, and I can't make this journey. I just can't do it. And he said, for my, for the first time in my life as a young believer in the Lord Jesus, I was aware of a presence beside me, nothing I could see with my eyes or touch with my hand, and yet I knew he was there, and he said to me as I knelt at that bench, I. Will go with you. So he said. I arose with the strength and, and and an indefinable calmness that had come from that presence. I shouldered my pack. He made the journey. They they marched through the deep snow, marched until nightfall, and where they got to this little village, and uh, not a not a prison barracks. They arrived at a at a home. He said the good mother in the home noticed that I was ill. She put me in a feathered bed in a heated room not in an unheated room assigned to the rest of the soldiers and with a mother's care and the in inward assurance that the Lord was with me he said I made it through that night he said now isn't that the promise that God makes to us in our journey I will be with you on the road that you travel some of us who've been traveling roads to uh, trying to be obedient to God for, for, for most of our life can give the testimony that God's been with us. Now looking forward, I can't tell you how God's gonna be with me tomorrow, but looking back, I can tell you many stories of how God's been with me in the past when looking forward, I didn't know what God was gonna do the next day. But God always provided, God always kept his promise, and there was no reason to fear because the Lord was with me. Nevertheless, for all we know about God, there are still those moments when we're anxious and afraid, our minds are overcome with worry, our hearts are heavy with dread, and we're, we're frozen where we are. We can't make a step of faith. And so you see the first part of Isaiah 41.10. It says, Do not be afraid. For I am with you, and yet the second part speaks directly to to the anxiety that we have, even though we know the Lord. Do not look anxiously about you, for I am your God. So the second question is this, is there a comfort that calms our worry? David, as you know, for all he knew about God, he was very honest, very honest. Uh, about his personal journey and about the feelings in his heart he, that's why Psalms is so good to read Psalms is very encouraging if you're discouraged Psalms is the place to go David said in Psalm 139 verse 23 he said search me O God and know my heart try me and know my anxious thoughts obviously he had some if you don't have any I don't think you're normal If you're never anxious, never uncertain, something's wrong. There have to be those moments in your life because that's just part of being human. Do you think that God knows the things that cause us anxiety and uncertainty? If I focus on the unknowns and the uncertainties in my life, and you know that happens sometimes, there are those nights when you lay your head down on your pillow and there it goes. All the uncertainties in the world seem to find their way into your mind. And you can't go to sleep because you just struggle with those things. David wrote in Psalm 94, verse 19, another one of my favorite verses. I've shared it with you on a Wednesday night. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. You remember when you were little? I know Brayden has that experience. I can just imagine Miss Amy coming into his room every night, covering him up and tucking him in so that he won't be afraid. Isn't that right, Brayden? Isn't that still the way? No, it's not that way anymore. But you remember some of those times when you were little, when Mama came in there and tucked you in and helped you make it through the night, put those covers around you tight. Well, sometimes the Lord does that for us. That's what he does. He covers us with a blanket of his comfort. And sometimes that's in his word. At night, there might be a time when you need a word from the Lord, a verse that you can cling to. I've told you that when I was a little boy, I went into the preschool the other day and I noticed on on the wall in the preschool something that's been hanging there for quite some time. There's a picture of an angel, a guardian angel, watching two little children cross a rickety old bridge. And I've told you about that bridge that I used to have to cross as a little boy. It's not rickety anymore, but it was rickety when I crossed it, and it scared me to death. Not not something that would have scared any of you, but it scared me. And I had that one verse when I got to that bridge that I had to use, what time I'm afraid I will trust in thee, Psalm 56.3. Sometimes that one verse, that one promise from God that you'll cling to can help you through some of those times. So what's God saying to you through this verse? Do not look anxiously about you. What's the reason not to be anxious? What's the reason not to fear? For I am your God. He knows the road ahead of you and any journey you take will be overseen by his sovereignty. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a reason not to fear. There's a comfort that calms our worry. You know, uh, our church in Hamilton began to make, uh, we had a, a group of ladies that sewed. And they began to make weighted blankets for children that have uh, sensory issues and anxiety issues. That weighted blanket. I read the other day that there are even weighted blankets for dogs now. For dogs that have anxiety, you can put a weighted blanket on your dog. So uh, maybe that'll work for you one night, Braden. We'll get you a weighted blanket so you can feel more secure. I'm picking on Braden tonight and leaving everybody else alone. So. Next question, is there a help in our helplessness? Is there a strength in our weakness? Uh, Whatever your life journey that lies ahead of you, whatever it is, whatever it is, if you're going to be a teacher in high school, if you're just going to be a stay-at-home mom, if you're going to be the president of the United States, your resources and your personal strength are not enough for that journey. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what your future holds. Your resources, I'm talking about your personal resources, will never be enough. So that's why fear comes. You're afraid because you automatically know you're not able. So then the question becomes, if my strength is not sufficient, if I am not able, is there a sufficiency from outside myself? Is God able? Is he able to see you through the darkest night or through the deepest valley? What does God offer you in the face of your fears and in the face of your need? He offers you himself. He says here, I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Five years after his experience on the battlefield of France, Raymond Edmond went on to complete college, and after college he married, and he and his young wife went into missionary service in the Andes Mountains of Ecuador. He writes, We were married for a little over a year when I was stricken with typhus fever and given up to die. He said, I knew I was dying. And then he said, how does a person know he's dying when he's never felt that way before nor has talked to anyone who's ever come back from the point of no return to tell of his experience? He said, I don't know, but I knew I was dying. He said, I was entirely unaware of the immediate. I didn't remember that a few days before I had been in the little village in the high Andes of Ecuador helping the children uh, who were dying of some mysterious malady I didn't recall the long and painful trip on horseback down the mountain trails to our home in Rio Bamba, nor of the onset of the typhus fever, nor of the periods of delirium, nor of my being found by a fellow American who got some Indians to carry me to the railroad, nor did I remember the all-day trip to Guayquil in a baggage car. I didn't know that my wife was advised to prepare for the funeral for my funeral and with the help of a friend, dyed her wedding dress black that she had used just a year before, nor that our host, the Will Reads, on the advice of the physician, Dr. Parker, had purchased a coffin and arranged for a brief service at 3 o'clock that afternoon, since in the tropics, burial must be made soon after death. I did recall, he said, what my mother told me, when I was a lad, she said, when a person comes to die, their life, their whole life flashes before them. And he said, that happened to me. He said, with no effort on my part, nor any thought for that matter, I remembered the old homestead in Illinois, my childhood playmates before school days began, Miss Grace, my first grade teacher, the other grades in succession, high school friends and scenes, my soldiering days. He said, how did these days crowd into my mind so clearly and accurately? He said, I don't know, but they did. He said, it was something like the unfolding of a newsreel. And then he said, it all faded away. And he knew, he said, I knew I was about to enter eternity. He said, then it was that I began to be cognizant of something strangely arresting in that place an atmosphere, an influence, a presence that began to surround me and engulf me. He said, I knew what it was. For in those moments I experienced a sweet sense of the love of God in Christ such as I had never before in all the years of my life. So overwhelming and stupendous was that love that the life beyond became ineffably beautiful and infinitely better than any possible condition in this present existence. And he said, there followed an indescribable fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ in those moments. He said, after the day when I waded so far out into the river of death that I was closer to the other side than, than this, there were about two weeks of which I have no recollection and give no account as I began to be conscious of being in the Parker Clinic of the Ecuadorian nurses who cared for me, of my wife and the now eight-week-old son, who had come into our home. Then it was that I was told the story back of my story. Near Attleboro, Massachusetts, a rather small group had gathered in a Bible conference. In the course of their morning study, they were interrupted by the conference director, Reverend E. Joseph Evans of Newton, Massachusetts, who told of a deepening burden of concern that had come upon him for the missionary in Ecuador, and he requested that they share the prayer burden with him. It was during those hours that, unknown to them, my wife had dyed her wedding dress black, and Mr. Reed had bought the coffin for me. Since then, I've met friends in the New England area who were present at that meeting. They told me if they should ever live to be 100 years old, they would never forget their kneeling to pray and their agony of spirit and intercession for me. He said they prayed through the lunch hour, but by mid-afternoon they experienced a lifting of the burden with a quiet assurance that their prayers had been heard. Raymond Edmond lived to serve the Lord for many more years. He became the fourth president of Wheaton College, would have been president of Wheaton College while Billy Graham was there. He was president of Wheaton College from 1940 to 1965 when he retired to become the Chancellor. And he died while speaking at a chapel service in Wheaton College in 1967. What hand snatched him back from the jaws of death? What hand uh, controlled the circumstances that seemed by all around him to be out of control? And tonight, what distant world are you living in in your mind that makes you feel as if God has forgotten you or lost track of your personal needs is there a reason not to fear is there comfort uh, for our worry is there a help in our helplessness is there a strength in our weakness does God have a personal word for you this evening two more passages of scripture and I'll close Isaiah 41 13 and 14 for I am the Lord your God Who upholds your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, declares the Lord, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. You don't have to lean on your own ability or wisdom. God says, I'll provide the strength, I'll be there to help. And look, we got these kids on the front end of their journey. They're going to have some anxious moments. They're going to learn how to depend on the Lord. But what about those of us whose hair is gray and we know that our journey is far shorter than it used to be? What about although we had those verses that we depended on when we were little, when we used to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. What about those of us who aren't so little anymore? What about those of us that the uncertainty that's before us is just larger than life, it seems? Listen to what God says. Isaiah 46, verses 3 and 4. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been born by me from birth and carried From the womb, even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your graying years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you, and I will bear you, and I will deliver you. Fear not, for I am with you. Let's pray.